how to become president. Your mama always said you'd grow up to be president of the United States. But beyond that, she was a little vague. Here's some good news for the Americans dreaming of becoming president. It turns out the job requirements are surprisingly simple. You just have to be a natural-born U.S. citizen, 35 years or older, who's lived in the U.S. for the past 14 years. But, of course, there's another factor here. Money, honey. When we combine all of the parties, the 2012 election was estimated to cost $2.6 billion. Looks like the list of who can grow up to be president in our democracy is significantly reduced from anybody. In a world that's constantly telling you how wrong you are, we want to tell you what's right with you. David McKnight is a counselor, speaker, and consultant who helps people discover how they're wired as a person. His concepts have revolutionized how people see themselves once they learn the principles behind what's right about you. Here now is David McKnight. David, when I was being raised, and you're about the same age I am, we were told as boys that anyone can grow up and become the president of the United States. Well, we grew up believing that, and the reality of that is that it's a myth because not everyone can become president. First of all, it takes a billion dollars to get elected. So there are a lot of myths that are out there telling us what we can and cannot do. Let's start with the myth of becoming. What do you mean by the myth of becoming? We're kind of taught this from early on. We're taught it at home, this idea of becoming a better student, becoming a better brother, becoming a better son, There's becoming a better friend. You can name the list, it goes on and on, to try to become something. Quite often, it's something that we can't be, and we're led to believe that we can be that. It's a myth. But that is the motivation of trying to get people out of a comfort zone or out of laziness, isn't it? That, you know, the inspiration. But you're saying that the myth there is that even if you try to inspire somebody to become a basketball player and they're four foot two, chances are they probably aren't going to make the NBA. No, they very well might, but I say there are some pieces that we don't see. We don't see their internal drive. We don't see their internal motivation. We don't see their internal, you know, they may have persistence that goes from here to Texas, and that might take them there. But there's something more to them than just the idea, well, I can go do it. And so many times we're all convinced that there are people out there trying to sell us their idea because they were successful, and they want us to do what they're doing. And say, well, they're making money. I should probably be able to go do that. Well, if you've got some of the internal characteristics of that person, there's a good chance you might. I was in the insurance business for 15 years. I saw so many people come and go. And the, the carrot that was always out there by the general agent or the district agent or the person in charge, you can do that. You can be this person. Unless you've got some innate selling ability, you probably aren't going to be able to do that. And so we're led to the myth of becoming. You can become anything you want to be. The idea that you can effectively harness an employee to objectives which have no personal significance to them. We hold that carrot out there for people. So most people we see are educated for 12 to 15 years. They're tested, graded, counseled on numerous occasions, interviewed for a number of jobs, hired, and then placed in a job. Rewarded, punished, encouraged, trained, appraised, motivated, promoted, coached, 
reinforced, directed, utilized, harnessed to be objectives, subject to job enrichment, sensitivity training, assessment centers, back to school, repelling, and other character building exercises, plugged into quality circles, cross-functional teams, leaderless teams, and finally retire 50 years later without anybody at any time finding out what they're really good at and motivated to do. So people are then put in places where they think they should be happy. They think they should be doing well. They think this is really what I'm made to do, but there's something missing in it, and we continue to press on in that situation. Uh, Gallup is working hard to get people to understand, employers to understand that you've got people who are designed a certain way, and if you engage that design and harness it into your business, they'll be productive, they'll be happy, and they'll be engaged. So not easy to move away from this whole vocational myth that you can become anything you want to be. I had a partner years ago who went to the university, was accounting major. He went through the whole process to become an accountant, took all the tests. At the end, he realized, I don't want to do this. There's not a bone in my body that wants to do this. But somebody back in my university days said, you can make some pretty good money if you go that way. So I went, but no one ever talked to me to find out if that's really what I needed to be. So I just see this over and over again. People can become something substantially different from what they are. I can come in and I can change you. We do this with our children. We have an idea of what they should be, and we're going to do everything we can to put them that way. I had a father who, whose son, he was a big soccer player. He loved soccer. He wanted his son to play soccer. His son, yeah, gave it a try, but had no interest in it. He wasn't going to become a soccer player, but the father believed it and took him a while to step, you know, realize that, oh, my son thinks differently. He plays differently. He does things differently. So for me to force him to do what I want, that's the myth of becoming. You can make a person effective at clarifying what you can expect that person to accomplish. That means if I give them the right job description with all the pieces to it, they'll actually do that. Well, they will if they're designed to do that, if who they are matches up with that job description. Otherwise, they'll do that job description for about three weeks, and then slowly they'll begin to do the job in the way they were designed to do. And then you go back and forth, Then he changed, and they get reprimanded, and they try again, and pretty soon they go to another place and do the same thing all over again. You can't make decisions about people without regard to who they are, and that happens all the time. We should move Harry here and move him there without ever talking to Harry, without ever finding out who he is and what he does best. A lot of the tests that we take, the personality tests, they're not about finding out what's right about you. The point is, let's find out what's wrong with you and fix it. So we send somebody off to see the shrink in the corporation because something's wrong with them. No one ever asked the question, what's right about him? David, I was wondering then, if we're going to bust this myth about becoming anything you want, to become. How do you start? Do you start with asking that question, what's right about me? It seems to me that all of these, this myth anyway, is a substitute for people to buy into because they don't know who they are or what they want, right? I mean, how do you yeah. get out of that? Yeah, well, that's why I want to work with children and parents so we can get that at the beginning. I think in our society, the greatest generation came out of the war and they did what they had to do to make things to save our country. And there wasn't any talk of, well, what, what's your internal job description? Just do this job and do it. So it's taken our country, I'd say probably was until the late 80s, around 88, 89, where there was a 
switch in how we began to think about people and work with people, engage people in work. So there wasn't really any talk about leadership up to that point. It was all about managing people. People are meant to be managed. And I say, no, they're, they're meant to be led, not managed. So our society has slowly begun to move in, the, in a direction I think that's good, but there's still this, this hangover of we can make people into what we want them to be. Good luck with that if that's your, if that's your belief. But a lot more would happen if you just took a little time to try to understand there's a reason people do what they do. Let's find out what their reason is. Let's find out what it is they do best. I was working with an organization. They had seven or eight people on the executive team. And there was one person on the team that was really kind of reluctant to be involved in what we were doing. And, and what I was trying to do was find out what's right about everybody on the team. It wasn't a situation where the, things were bad. They were actually pretty good. And the executive director wanted it just to be better. But there was somebody there who who felt they've never done anything right, couldn't, you know, they just had such a negative view of themselves because they've been up against this myth of becoming and they never became. And, and so when we went through the whole process and then slowly began to help her see, this is how you are made. This is what it is you do and you do it very well. No one had ever told her that. No one had ever pointed that out to her. No one had ever affirmed that in her. But when we did that, it changed the complexion of that team. When you live under that method of becoming and you've never get there, you begin thinking, what's wrong with me? And then all kinds of things happen at that point. I don't think you can add talents or strengths to somebody, but you can grow talent and strength in somebody. I can add to your DNA. I can't. But I would behoove me to know what your DNA is and help you develop it, help you grow it, help you uh, become all that you can be given who you are, and then help you see what context you will do best in. So if you got somebody who enjoys an audience and wants to be with people and, and you stick them in the corner in a cubicle, that's not a good place. Find out what it is and how people do their best work. So the myth of becoming still hangs over. It's, it's in the air. We find it in education. We find it in our homes. We find it in our churches. We find it basically throughout society. And in those places where it's breaking out, you'll find people are growing, people are happy. So maybe, David, you could help us with a series of questions. And I, I think you've been doing a little of that so far. But if we're asking the overall grand scheme question, which is, what's right about me? How do we transition to that to more specific questions to get to the answer of that question? Because I can't read my story, and you can't read your story, but I can read your story, and you can read my story. So we find out best who we are in relationship to other people. It's hard to do it on your own. So I would I would want to, if I were at a point where I'm at a loss as to who I am and what I'm doing, I would say, I've had people do this, go to people who know you and ask them what it is they saw that I did well. And I've done this with parents and their children. I ask people to write stories for me about things they felt they did well and what was satisfying about it. At first, many people say, oh, I don't do anything, but I just tell them to think about it. And no one would have to know about it. You, wouldn't have to, you didn't get a gold medal or a blue ribbon for it. But once you begin to write about it, and then what was satisfying about that? That's just the key question I have found. When I get that satisfaction question answered, and I might get it, and I might ask them several questions, and the, the data that's really good is the data that's as far into childhood as possible, because then we don't have adult values placed on it, and we poo-poo it because, well, that was no big deal. Well, it does display something in, uh, in who we are, even as a child. When I was asked to do that 30 years ago, 
one of the things I thought of was, gee, I remember telling my parents I was going to sleep outside tonight. And they looked at me kind of funny and, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to build myself a little fort. Okay, and so I went, went about finding materials and uh, chairs and blankets and various things. We didn't have a tent, so I created my own little fort, made a bed, and I said, I'm going to sleep out here, and I did. Well, when I did several other things like that, that were seemingly insignificant, but it wasn't significant because out of the blue, I thought of that incident, and it was instrumental in helping me begin to see I like challenges. I like to be situations where people say, I don't think you can do that, David, and then I like to go do it. So I looked at running a marathon and several other things where the challenge was put there, and I said, I can do it, and people said you couldn't. That gave me some indication of why I go places where the house is on fire, I want to go in when everybody else is running out. So that became a significant, but I didn't learn that till I was well into adulthood. I didn't have any sense of that at all. My life was just a mishmash of incidences, but they're not because we're bringing ourselves and what we do best into those situations. When I'm backed into a corner, I don't go to my weakness to get out of the corner. I go to my strength. What's my strength? And that oftentimes is why people get in trouble because they, they've waited so long. And then when they exert their strength, it puts them out the door. So it's important to begin to understand my life is just in a collection of incidences that have no meaning with each other. There's a meaning and purpose behind what we do, even as a little child. And the more an adult who is responsible for a little child can begin to understand that and affirm and value and encourage and develop, the better. So that that child will benefit from being under our influence rather than being a state of recovery from our influence. If you would like to know more about what you've heard today, you can contact David McKnight by calling 612-990-6604. Again, that number is 612-990-6604.